It's time for us to hear the word of God on today, and we're going to have the word of God come straight from the scriptures, and I thank God uh, for my oldest son is going to preach. I know some of you have just started connecting with our ministry since uh, the, the crisis took place, so let me introduce the oldest of my four sons. This is Jeffrey Allen Johnson II. He has a call on his life to preach and to teach the word of God, a wonderful insight that God has given to him in the scriptures, and of course, he He's prepared himself, not just through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but also through education. He did his undergrad work at uh, Payne College in Augusta, Georgia, and did his Master's of Divinity at Morehouse School of Religion, ITC in Atlanta. And now he's working on his PhD in African-American preaching and sacred rhetoric at, at Christian Theological Seminary in Indianapolis, Indiana. So I pray that you'll open your hearts, minds, and souls, be receptive to the Word of God coming from Pastor Jeffrey A. Johnson II. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the God we serve is worthy to be praised. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. What a joy it is to worship God with you on today and to share God's word with you. I'm so excited that you decided to worship God with us today. And I want you to do your friends and family a favor and invite them to come as we open up the scriptures to see what God has to say about what we're going through and about the things that we're experiencing. And so I just want to also uh, give a shout out uh, to our senior pastor, my father, uh, the great one, the GOAT, Pastor Jeffrey Allen Johnson, senior. I'm so uh, grateful for his uh, preaching ministry, his pastoral ministry community development, coming alongside those who have been left out and marginalized. And I'm just grateful for his leadership. And I'm grateful for who he is um, as a man, as a father, and also a husband. As uh, he and my mother are celebrating 34 years of marriage today, I'm just grateful uh, for what God is doing in his life and what God is going to continue to do in his life as God will going to take him from faith to faith, from glory to glory. He has gone from low-tech to ultra-tech in only a matter of several weeks, and I'm so grateful for what God is doing in his life. Um, let us go to the word of God found in Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, beginning at verse number 12. Revelation chapter 2, beginning at verse number 12. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts, let them be acceptable in our sight. You are strength, you are our redeemer. In Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Revelation 2, verse 12, I'm reading from the New International Version. It says, to the angel of the church at Pergamum, right? These are the words of him who has the sharp, double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin, so that they ate food sacrificed to idols and committed sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who is victorious. I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. 
Amen. I want to talk about surviving evil. Surviving evil. If I learn anything this week, it is that evil is alive and well. We see evil. We hear evil. We experience evil. We entertain ourselves with evil. We post, like, share, comment on evil because evil is alive and well. Contrary to um, those who are super churchy and super spiritual, evil exists. And when we acknowledge the fact that evil exists and that evil is alive and well, then we must also acknowledge the challenge that comes to us who are believers in Christ Jesus. And that is what Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, to imitate God as dearly loved children. It's a challenge to imitate a good father in an evil world. The challenge to imitate God as dearly loved children in an evil society, within an evil system, as we live in this evil country, in this evil world. It's difficult to imitate God as dearly loved children when hundreds of thousands of our friends and loved ones and families have died from the COVID-19 virus. And still leaders want to open up the economy and open up our country. It's hard to imitate God as dearly loved children when people who look like me have been killed by the bullets, by the hands and knees of those who have been hired to protect and serve us. It's difficult to imitate God as dearly loved children in an unjust society, in an unjust nation. But God challenges us as believers to imitate him as dearly loved children. It's, it's difficult, it's frustrating, it's challenging to imitate a good, good father in a bad, evil world. And the challenge that we have is to maneuver and move and live a life that pleases God in the evil world. Or as the Bible says, to, to be in this world and, and don't allow the world to be in you because we are in this world and we are not of this world. And if you and I are not careful, we'll find ourselves allowing the evil to, to intervene in our spirits, in our minds, and in our hearts. Similar to what went on in Mark chapter 5 when that man who was possessed with that evil spirit that was living in the tombs and he was cutting himself with stones and he was naked and he was crying at the top of his lungs. And as Jesus sees him, Jesus enters to the tombs and Jesus asks this man, sir, what is your name? And that man in Mark 5 says, my name is Legion, for we are many. And that wasn't really his name. That word Legion literally means 10,000 Roman soldiers. It represents that, that army, those soldiers, that military regime that would that will police the environment, that will police the area. And here this man has become a victim of the system that he was a part of. Here this man has a demon on the inside of him that was created by the oppression that was on the outside of him. And whenever he saw himself, he was reminded of what the Roman Empire saw him. Whenever he saw himself, whenever he reflected on his identity, he made the mistake of attaching his identity with the oppression and the evil that he was experiencing. Because if you and I are not careful, we will allow the evil on the outside to infiltrate our spirits and our hearts and our mentality, which makes it difficult for us 
to imitate God as dearly loved children in a messed up evil society, which, which is so important. That's why Jesus has commissioned John to write this letter to the church in Pergamum. He wants the church in Pergamum to understand that I know you live in an evil world, but we can't survive evil. God has given us what we need to survive evil, and he does it through a letter written by, by the revelator John, the writer John, who writes this letter. In fact, just this past Wednesday, we read Revelation chapter 1, which John himself is a victim of this evil system, this evil that is, that is present in his environment. And, and as a result, John finds himself isolated. John finds himself excommunicated. John finds himself separated from family and friends. He finds himself experiencing a government-issued quarantine on the island of Patmos. And while he is dealing with this persecution, while he's dealing with this pain, while he is dealing with this evil, Jesus shows up. And Jesus shows up, he gives him a word, he gives him his presence, he gives him, he gives John some purpose. And the purpose that God gave John was to write to the seven churches of Asia Minor, write everything you see, write everything you experience, write everything that I am giving to you. And so here is Jesus, he's commissioned John to be his Holy Ghost writer. John finds purpose even in the evil that he was experiencing. And so John begins to write and one of the churches that he writes to is the church called Pergamum. I read the letter to you there in Revelation chapter two, verse 12, the city of Pergamum. And, and when John begins to write, John is writing, but it's Jesus that's speaking. John is the preacher. Jesus is the one that's giving John the word. Because if you and I are going to survive in this evil world, we need some preachers who understand that we ain't got time for opinions and speculation, but we need the word of God. I love the fact that John didn't write what he thought, that John didn't write his speculation, that John didn't write his opinion, but he was open to the word of God and he delivered God's word to God's people because in the evil time, we don't need opinions. We don't need no more tweets. We don't need no more speculation and thoughts and analysis. We need the word of God. And it's the word of God that can make the ultimate change. It's the word of God that can give us what we need to survive. Because when we have, when we have corrupt politicians and unjust systems and police brutality, we don't need nothing else but God's word. And that's why we need preachers who are not hungry for views and likes and shares on Instagram. But we need some preachers who can tell us what thus saith the Lord. How can they hear without a preacher? And once we we hear what God says through the preacher that we can grow in our faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And here is John delivering God's word to God's people. He's the writer, but it's Jesus that's speaking. And Jesus says to the church in Pergamum, I know where you live where Satan has his throne. Matter of fact, can we just stop right there? I know where you live. I love that because the only way that you and I are able to survive in an evil environment is when we let Jesus know all about it. And whenever Jesus becomes aware about our issues, Jesus can't help but make a change in what we're going through. I love the fact that we serve a woke God, that we serve a God who is aware of where we live. He is aware of what we're going through. He is aware of what we are up against. Jesus says, I know where you live. And whenever Jesus becomes aware of our situation, 
it can't help but stir up the compassion on the inside of him. That's what we love. That's what we learn most about the story of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, that whenever Jesus became aware of an issue, a problem, or a circumstance, he always did what he had to do in order to make a change in that situation. When he became aware that that couple who just ran out of wine, he made a change from water into wine and kept the party going. When Jesus became aware that Lazarus was sick, it took him a minute. But when he, felt, when he finally made a move, he made a life-changing difference in the life of that situation. When Jesus was aware that that crowd of people in the desert was hungry and all they had was a little, the compassion within him allowed him to make a big change in the midst of that situation. That's why when you and I understand the power of prayer, we can let Jesus know all about our issues because when Jesus becomes aware, he can't help but make a change. Have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about your trouble. He'll hear your faintest cry. He'll answer by and by. Just a little talk with Jesus will make everything all right. And Jesus is aware of our situation. And the Bible lets us know that Jesus says, I know where you live, where Satan has his throne, where Satan has his throne. You got to remember, you're reading the book of Revelation filled with symbolism, filled with, with, with clues and signs that you got to do a little research on to figure out what exactly is he talking about because John was persecuted. He was on the island of Patmos writing these letters to the churches. And before his letter could get from the island to the churches, it had to go through the Roman Empire. They had to read these letters. And so John had to write in clues and codes in order for them to get, in order for these letters to get past the security and get to these churches in which they are addressed to. And so this term, uh, uh, the, uh, Satan's throne, I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. The, the, the church in Pergamum knew what, what he was talking about because the city of Pergamum was one of the most influential cities in the Roman Empire. In fact, the city of Pergamum was, was known for uh, their, their worship of Greek gods. It was known for their worship of the kings, the Caesars of Rome. Matter of fact, they had one of the biggest altars in that day, the, the altar that was dedicated to the god Zeus. And in fact, this altar that was dedicated to the god Zeus was sit on a high mountain, sit on the top of a hill that hovered over the city. And scholars suggest that this monument, this altar looked like a throne and they called it Satan's throne. It was, it was Satan's throne. Satan's throne, yeah, it's where, where, where Satan felt most comfortable, where Satan was able to sit and relax, where Satan had the most influence in this city, where Satan, he felt at home, it was his place. Satan's throne, yeah, it represented Satan's kingdom, Satan's system, Satan's structure. It was Satan's system that they were a part of. And here, here is the church in Pergamum. They have settled in the city where Satan's system is going through where Satan's system has a high influence. And here they are. Jesus says, I know where you live, where Satan's system is running rapid, where the structure is created by Satan. And here it is. They found themselves in a satanic, evil, political, social system. And I know it's Satan's throne because in, in, in this time, during this day, 
that if you didn't declare Caesar as God, Caesar as Lord, if you didn't denounce Jesus Christ as Lord, you will be killed, you will be excommunicated, you will be crucified, you will be murdered, you will be burned alive. And here are believers in the in, in, in Roman Empire in this evil satanic system being killed because of what they believed in. And Jesus says, you live in the city where Satan has his throne. And he says, there was a man who died named Antipas. Antipas, this martyr, this witness, a part of those who continue to lose their life at the hands of this satanic, evil social system. Antipas, th this man who who lost his life because of his belief in God, because he didn't denounce the name of Jesus, Antipas. He died at the hands of this, of this evil Roman empire, this system in place, Antipas. Some suggest that Antipas was a well-known bishop before he died, that he, that he had heavy influence in the church of Pergamum. And, and, when, the, and when the pagan priests brought him to the Roman officials and they asked him, to denounce the name of Jesus, he wouldn't denounce. And because of that, he lost his life, Antipas. Some suggest, oh, well, maybe he wasn't a bishop. Maybe he was just um, a young man, a young Christian who gave his life to Christ. And he caught the Roman cop on a bad day. He was walking while being a Christian, talking while being a Christian, jogging while being a Christian, eating ice cream at the crib while being a Christian sleeping at his own home while being a Christian. Then all of a sudden, he was murdered at the hands of the Roman government. He was murdered at the hands of this evil, just satanic system. It was Antipas that has died. And whenever I, I read this story, read this letter, I can't help but think that Christians in the Roman Empire are like black folks living in America and that we have to live, we have to maneuver through this evil corrupt satanic system that has been designed to take us out. That, that Antipas, his, his belief was seen as criminal. His belief was seen as a threat to the system. And because of that, he was taken out. He was a martyr. And now his name is trending all throughout Pergamum. Now they're putting his names on T-shirts and hoodies. Now his names is being, is being mentioned all on timelines. His, names are, his name is being called out at the protest because the people are tired of losing their loved ones to this corrupt system, to this corrupt, evil, social, political system that is the Roman Empire. And how can we not relate to that as being black in America, where over and over again, we're losing our loved ones to the hands of this evil, political, social system that has been designed to take us out. We keep losing our loved ones to the hands of police, to the knees of police, to the bullets of police in the midst of this social, political, evil satanic system we call white supremacy and, and, and if Antipas was enough if Emmett Till wasn't, wasn't enough if, if Trayvon Martin wasn't enough if Sandra Bland wasn't enough if Ahmaud Arbery wasn't enough if George Floyd wasn't enough if Sean Reed wasn't enough then they take out our leaders like Dr. King and Malcolm X and Mega Evans and all of these people that have died at the hands of this evil political social Social system. How can we live for God in evil days? Well, Jesus says, here's the good news. 
He says that even in the midst of all that's going on, you've held on to my name. <laughs> he says you're in a system. You're, within, you're living within a system where Satan has his throne. But in the midst of all that's going on, you've held true to my name. You've held on and you haven't gave up. You begin to grow and mature in your faith despite of the evil that you are experiencing. Matter of fact, that's how we can survive the evil when we hold on to the name of Jesus. And I love that because that word, hold, that, that, that phrase, hold fast to my name, or remain true to my name. It's a word in Greek called kratio. Kratio means strength. It means strong. It means to rule. Wait, wait a minute. Jesus says, in the midst of that evil system, in the midst of the oppression that you are experiencing, in the midst of that unjust justice system, you remain strong. You tap in to the strength that can only be found in Jesus. And that's what I love so much about the Christian faith, that even though we may be black in America and our people are dying to the system, we can still tap into the faith that we have in Jesus that gives us the strength to survive in evil times. Matter of fact, the strength that we have is not in us because if the strength was in us, we wouldn't be acting right. Matter of fact, it's the weakness that we have, the anger, the frustration, the anxiety, the fear that if we're not careful, we can act out on in sinful ways. But glory be to God that we have a Jesus that gives us the strength even in weak times. I don't know about you, but I thank God that even when I'm weak, my weakness is made perfect in his grace. My weakness is made perfect in my strength, that I don't have to act out in my own strength, but I can get to Jesus because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can rejoice in the Lord at all times, that our might, our joy is found in Jesus. And even in the midst of this evil environment, as long as we can hold on and stay strong in Jesus. I know that everything is going to be all right. Uh, when I was much younger, uh, my father, he would turn on the TV and we would watch this cartoon, Popeye. Maybe you've seen Popeye. Uh, Popeye, he, he, he had this arch enemy. He had this enemy, uh, Bluto. And Bluto was always after his girl, olive oil. And whenever the enemy was after his oil and Papa felt weak, Papa always had something that he could rely on. He had something that he could internalize that gave him strength. Papa, whenever the arch enemy was after his oil, olive oil, he grabbed the spinach and he would internalize the spinach. And it was something about the spinach getting on the inside of Papa that gave him the strength to overcome the enemy and get his oil back. And every now and again, we need to make a Papa move. Every now and again, the enemy, Satan, has a way of coming against us and taking what belongs to us. But when we make a Popeye move and internalize something that gives us strength, not spinach, but the spirit that gives us strength, how many of you know that God will give us what we need to overcome the enemy and survive in this evil day? And Jesus says, I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. He puts a name on the enemy because if you and I are not careful, we will be fighting the wrong enemy. Uh, it, it's easy to call police officers the enemy. It's easy to call political officials the enemy. It's easy to call racist white folks the enemy. But Jesus says, I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Paul puts it like this, that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against evil and wickedness in high places. And when you and I 
put a name to our enemy and know who our enemy is. We can use the strength that we have in Jesus to overcome the enemy and to survive in this evil day. How can we survive? We can survive when you and I stay committed and connected and consistent to the body of Christ. Matter of fact, because this is what this is this letter. It was written to the local body of believers. This letter was written to the church in Pergamum. If you weren't a part of the body, you wasn't even getting the encouragement that it takes to endure the evil day. It was the church that this letter was written to. And when you and I are seriously connected, committed, and, and consistent with the house of God, the body of Christ, we can find the strength that it takes to overcome the enemy and endure the evil that we are experiencing. It's just something about being connected to the house of God, being connected to the body of Christ, being connected to the local body of believers that gives us strength, that even when we can't get to the building, we can always rely and depend and lean on the body that gives us the strength that we need. Because in the evil days, in evil times, the church has always been there to help us to overcome the evil and to get us to the place that God has for our life. Have you ever felt like giving up on your job or felt like giving up on your marriage or felt like giving up on your goals and your careers, your children and your dreams? Then all of a sudden somebody hits you from the church and asks you, is everything all right? All of a sudden you get a text from somebody that you sat by at the in the building and they say how you doing how you holding up all of a sudden you tune in to YouTube and you pass it and drop the devotional that helped you get through it's just something about being connected to the body that in the midst of an evil day the body helps us to move through the evil to get us to the place that God has for our life and I love the body of Christ because the church has always been there to help us to endure the evil that we face, not just in the early church, but in the early church of the black church birthed in slavery, where in the midst of that evil system of slavery, it was the church through Nat Turner that helped them to overcome the enemy. It was the church through Harriet Tubman that helped them free slaves in the midst of that evil social system. It was the church through Henry McNeil Turner that reminded black folks that God is a Negro. It was the church through denomination nations and partnerships that started HBCUs. It was the church through Martin Luther King Jr. connected with other preachers that brought the civil rights movement out of the church building and into the streets because whenever we are faced with the evil social system, we always can rely on the body of Christ. That's why I'm so glad I'm connected to the local body of believers we call the Eastern Star Church because even before the pandemic, we had a church that was rebuilding our community for the kingdom, that we were providing affordable homes and providing food, providing education and mentorship to 4621A Arlington Woods. And then when the pandemic hit, we just continued to move with the body. The building was closed, but the body kept moving, providing masks, providing food, providing testing, because whenever the church is dealing with the evil system, the body is always there to give us what we need to overcome the evil to get to the purpose that God has for our life. Uh, 
There's a movie that's out called Fighting Temptations. Maybe you've seen it, Fighting Temptations, starring Cuban Gooding Jr. and Beyonce. And Cuban Gooding Jr. plays this big-time executive that gets word from New York that his auntie down in the South has passed away. His great-aunt passed away, and he travels from New York all the way to the dirty South. And uh, our homeboy Mike Epps is in the movie. And so Mike Epps picks up uh, Cuban Gooding Jr., and he is taking him to the church for the funeral. And as he's in the car with Mike Epps, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. tries to use his cell phone in the car, but his cell phone wouldn't work. He's a big time executive. He's busy. He's trying to make calls. He's trying to check emails, but he couldn't get no signal in this country town in Georgia. He couldn't get any connection. And so he finally gets to the church and the funeral is taking place. The choir just gets done singing. And all of a sudden his phone goes off in the church. It's a small church setting. Everybody hears the phone. Everybody turns to him and he's wondering how in the world is my phone going off when just a few minutes ago I ain't even have no signal and after the funeral was over Cuba Gooding Jr. he leaves the church and he tries to make a phone call call the folks back and he noticed that his phone again wasn't working and by the end of the movie Cuban Gooding Jr. discovered that the only place he was able to find the connection that he needed was in the house of God and I wonder if there's anybody out there who understands that when you get connected, consistent, and committed to the house of God, you'll be able to get connected to the Holy Spirit that is in Jesus Christ, that whenever you and I try to operate outside the body, disconnected, no wonder we can't get in touch with God. No wonder we can't tap into our strength. No wonder we can't maneuver and endure the evil. But I dare you to get connected to the local body of believers, and you'll discover that when you get connected to the local body of believers, you can get connected with God. God through his son, Jesus Christ, and Christ will give you the strength to endure the evil and to live out the purpose that God has for your life. And Jesus says, I know where you live, where Satan has his throne, but there's a remnant of y'all in, in the church of Pergamum that have stayed true to my name. And this church, y'all, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a perfect church. I don't got time to go all into it, but you, as you see, this church in Pergamum wasn't a perfect church. They were dealing with oppression and evil on the outside of the church. And they were dealing with sin and imperfections on the inside of the church. But even though this church was imperfect, Jesus still gave a word to them. And the word that he gave to them was, hold on to my name. And you'll be able to endure the evil that you're facing. You'll be able to endure the oppression that you're up against. Because the longer you hold on to the name of Jesus you'll discover that, that there's a possibility for a change. And that's the type of God we serve. When you keep reading that letter, you'll discover that Jesus says that for those who can overcome, he says, I'm going to give you some hidden manna. Then he says, I'm going to give you a white stone with a new name written on it because there's possibility for change. I know we're dealing with evil. I know we're dealing with an injustice system. I know we're dealing with police brutality, but the longer we hold on to Jesus, the sooner we'll discover that there's a possibility for change. 
Wait a minute, hidden manna? Yeah, hidden manna. It represents what the children of Israel were able to experience when they were freed from their oppression in Egypt and on their way to the promised land. The children of Israel began to complain about the fact that they didn't have any food on their way to the promised land. They wanted to go back to their oppression. They wanted to go back to where they came from because they had food and all of a sudden manna fell from on high. Manna literally means what is it? Wait a minute. In the midst of their wilderness situation, God continued to provide for them. And that's what God is saying, that in the midst of what you're going through, in the midst of this evil that you're facing here on earth, God has a provision in heaven that God will send you something from heaven that will meet your needs on this earth so that you can overcome the evil and get to the place that God has for your life. But not just the manna, but then Jesus says that I'm going to give you a white stone with a new name. At first I was tripping because I was telling Jesus, Jesus, I don't want no white stone. I don't want, I don't want the white stone because folk will try to let us know that white means purity and that dark means evil. And I told Jesus, I don't want no white stone. But Jesus says, well, you got to put the white stone in its context. Back in those days when the jurors in, in, in a trial will vote to make a, somebody either go to jail or be acquitted of their charges for the jurors to vote acquittal, they will use the white stone in order to set the person free and Jesus says that I know you are experiencing sin in the midst of that evil environment but Jesus says that I'm going to give you a white stone I'm going to give you some forgiveness I'm going to give you another chance I'm going to let you know that there's possibility for some change and I'm going to give you a white stone with a new name with a new name yeah because we know that we serve a God that makes all things new that even though those who are Christ those who are in Christ we are a new creation that old things are passed away behold all things become new that new name is not just I, that new name is not just a name but his identity is nature Jesus says that as long as you can hold on to my name in the midst of this evil environment Jesus says that I'm gonna give you a new name I'm gonna transform your nature I'm gonna change your family I'm gonna change your community I'm gonna change your church I have a way of changing a nation and a world world when I give you a new name but the only you and I, the only way you and I can experience the manna the white stone with a new name is if we do what verse 16 says and that is repent and that's what you and I need to do we need to repent and it's interesting to me that Jesus is telling the church to repent I told you that this letter was written and addressed to the church so evidently the church needed some repenting to do They've given their life to Christ. They've connected to a local body of believers. But they've allowed the corruption of the evil system to infiltrate the church. And Jesus says, it is time for you to repent. Repent, change your mind. Because for many of us, we have Jesus in our hearts, but we ain't got him in our head. And Jesus says, I need for you to change your mind. And when you, when you and I trust in Jesus enough to change our minds, change our perception, change our perspective on this world, understand who the real enemy is, and continue to hold on to the name of Jesus, Jesus says, I can bring change into your situation. I can provide provision from heaven to meet your need here on earth. I can give you another chance with a white stone, a new name, a new nature. But, but you and I, in order for us to experience the change, 
we got to take initiative to make the change. And I challenge you, my brothers and my sister, if you have yet to repent for the forgiveness of your sin, I dare you to do that today. Ask God to, to, to forgive you, to change your ways, repent, change your mind, get connected to a local body of believers, and God will give you what you need, the strength from the inside to face the evil that you have on the outside. And the only way you and I can do that is when we hold on to the name of Jesus. Uh, our senior pastor just told you that, that I'm, I'm on staff here at Eastern Star Church, and this isn't my first job uh, here at Eastern Star Church. In fact, my first job here at Eastern Star Church was as a summer camp counselor. Summer camp counselor here at our summer camp at, at Eastern Star Church. And when I got uh, here as a summer camp counselor, they put me with the five to seven-year-olds. I don't know who was in charge of putting who in what class, but they decided to put me with the five to seven-year-olds. And I don't like to call them bad, but I'll just say they have a lot of energy. And so uh, all the counselors, we were trying to figure out how can we utilize this energy in a positive way. And so we, we, we asked the kids to create their own bingo cards. We, we asked the kids to customize their own bingo cards. And so we had different categories that the kids could choose from in order to create their bingo cards. We had sports, we had superheroes, we had Bible characters, we had their favorite food, favorite colors. They were going to create their own bingo cards. And so all of a sudden the kids created their bingo cards and it was my opportunity, my job, my responsibility to call out random names in order for the kids to mark their bingo cards so that they can experience victory. And so I'm calling out random stuff like Batman and Green and Pete and blue and basketball and Moses. And so the kids begin to mark their boards. Then I'm calling out more names like Abraham and red and hamburger and French fries. And the kids are marking their boards. And the longer I'm calling out the names, the sooner the kids begin to call out to me what they needed to win. Mr. J, can you call out football? Can you call out red? Can you call out purple? Mr. J, all I need is French fries to win. All I need is Spider-Man to win. And then all of a sudden, I heard one of the kids say, all I need is Jesus to win. And when I heard that kid say, all I need is Jesus to win, I started to give God a shout and praise right there. Because when I look back over my life and seen all that I've been through, and I thought that I needed money to win. I thought that I needed relationships to win. I thought that I needed positions and titles to win. But then I discovered that in the midst of all of that, all I need is Jesus to win. And if you understand that all you need is Jesus to win, then no weapon that is formed against you shall be able to prosper. When you hold on to the name of Jesus, you'll discover that even in the midst of an evil day, joy will come in the morning. When you hold on to the name of Jesus, then you'll discover that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. I don't care how evil it is. I don't care how dark it is. I don't care how corrupt it is. I don't care how violent it is. When you hold on to the name of Jesus, you'll discover that you can survive the evil and everything is going to be all right. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for the power of your word. God, forgive us when we got distracted by the evil that we were experiencing. Forgive us that we were sinning as we were acting at our evil and our frustration and our depression and anxiety. And God, I pray that in the midst of these evil days, in the midst of these evil times, that the church can remain true and loyal to you, that we can continue to grow in our faith, that we can use this evil day as a way to be open to your presence, to your word, to the purpose that you want to put place on our life. 
And God, I pray for those who have yet to repent, yet to invite you in for salvation and forgiveness of sin. I'll pray that they make that decision today. I'll pray that they'll get connected to the local body of believers, that they'll find strength in your spirit and in you. And God, I pray that as we grow in our spirit and grow in our faith, that you'll continue to provide provisions from heaven that meet our needs on earth. That you'll continue to give us a clean slate with a new name so that even in the midst of evil, we can experience the joy of being in relationship with you. Now, God, help us to hide this word into our hearts today. We can grow and mature in you. It is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.